Long days and pleasant nights. This week's episode is my sister Molly. We have a two-part episode because we talked for that long. That's what happens when Millers come together. There's a song at the end as well. Enjoy. You shouldn't put your feet on the stool where the mic is at. Just every person does it. Yeah, but I mean, it's a stool. That's, that's, you put your feet on a stool. <sighs> if you had it on the desk, which is right next to it, you wouldn't have people trying to put their feet on the desk. Yeah, but it's just... <sighs> If you had a table, like we did with the other one, like... Yeah, what I, what I want to do is get, like, um, like, have the desk parallel, like, um, perpendicular, rather, to the wall, and then, like, it's one on either side, and then, like, I have two mics, and, like, mm-hmm. like you would with an actual, like, interview show, whereas now this is, like, so jerry-rigged. Hey, everyone. Um, all relation, really. That's, you know, um... Uh, so, we grew up in South Dakota and Minnesota. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I can vouch for that. I'm, I'm glad this is going so well already. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, um, why, why do you do what you do? <laughs> why you gotta do what you do? <laughs> why you gotta be that way? Why you gotta do it? Before we get any further, can I just please say... My sister hasn't. I haven't. I just looked over my Han Solo figure, and he looks like he's like also leaning back, so he's like, oh, I'm stretching up, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. or he's doing like the Macarena or something. Anyway. Um, Good. I'm glad that's where this went. Yeah, man. Um, Han Solo doing the Macarena would be very interesting, though. I'm Han Solo. I'm Han Solo. Um, so, when did you, like, decide to go away? I want to make stuff. Like, what was, what age were you into the arts, or just always? Um, this interview is going to be really difficult, because I already know all this information, I'm going to tune out. Oh, good, good. <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully the rest of the audience is more, um, considerate than you are. Well, they're also not your brother, so, like... Wait, what? <laughs> no, the only person who's gonna be listening to this is probably me, so it's, you're really just... And only when I'm editing it. Yep, no one else is gonna Okay. Okay, but anyway. Um, no, I've always been doing arts. Um, I used to draw as a kid, like, mm-hmm. crazy, like... Just drew yeah. a bunch of insane asylums? Yes, yes. No, I, uh... I like how, like, we made eye contact, and she's like, okay, here comes the joke. <laughs> I just has a joke face on. Sorry, this continue. This is also going to be very difficult for me. I'm like, you already know this. You're my brother. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Thank you. Three charm. Um, no, I have like this huge tote. Uh, <laughs> Are you gonna say toe? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm having a really hard time focusing today. So, you have this huge tote of like stuff you. you say. <laughs> yeah, what? So, you have this huge tote. This huge tote of just like pictures mm-hmm. from when I was a kid. And they're all shitty pictures. They're all like, <laughs> like, oh, here's a paint stroke. Here's a circle. So, why here's do you still have thing. them? And they're just like, because they're a testament to my. Uh, <laughs> How shitty you were as a kid? State. As a child. <laughs> cool. Yeah? There was this uh, um, thing on BuzzFeed that was like, can you tell the difference between modern art and children's art? <laughs> and the answer <laughs> and was, no. No? So I could sell them. <laughs> I'm a famous artist. No, I'm an, it's going to be one of 
those things where like like Picasso, I can draw really realistic shit and nobody gives a fuck. Yeah. And then uh, someone's gonna discover all of my old shitty child pictures and be like, oh, she's amazing, look at this artist. She's like, I made that when I was eight, what did you do with your life? Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I also have delusions. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, no. I'm out of it for a little while, everyone has delusions at Grand here. Yeah, so I've been drawing since I was a kid. Um, I have also been writing since I was very, very tiny. Um, mm -hmm. Those are also really shitty, the, the like the excerpts I have from when I was really young, because I couldn't spell to save my life. No, you're just chaucering. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it got, it, there were a couple that I found recently that I like, I couldn't determine what I was saying because the spelling was so bad. I was like, I don't know what I was trying to say. Um, but that's a kind of art too, right? Mm-hmm, I guess. Like mystery art. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure what it means, but I'm sure it means something profound. Uh-huh, mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So, and then, uh, in high school started doing theater. Okay. Um, oh, I've also been doing dance all my life. Okay. I've just been doing all the arts all my life. That's the short answer. Okay. <laughs> Why? No, um... <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why would you, Why would you do that? It's a bad life decision, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Um, was that hard, finding art stuff to do in, like, South Dakota? Where it's all like, I like, I don't like farming, but I gotta. Honestly, not really. Yeah? I did dance in South Dakota, and there was huge. I don't know why. In the little town of Huron, South Dakota. The little was, town of Huron. Yep. There was such a big dance community, but there was. <laughs> and it was like ballet and jazz and tap, and there was something else that I never got into. Um, but, like, that was a huge thing, mm -hmm. and I don't understand it, but, I, but it's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and then. Um, my mother, our mother, <laughs> did a theater in Huron, so she... Did she? She did! did you I, know that? No, I, I was like itty-bitty, so I don't really remember anything about living in Huron, but what'd she do? Yeah, the, um, we were, we were both homeschooled, for everyone who doesn't know. Ah, oh, great. And, uh, you she... go around telling that to people. Oh, well, <laughs> Um, Gotta be honest about our past. But the thing uh, with the, uh, yeah, because we did that Shakespeare thing, right? Where we, she did an excerpt of I oh, yeah, like it. Yeah, yeah. So was it through that group? Sort of. I mean, okay. that was, I think that was, um, I don't honestly remember what that was part of. It was weird, but, but anyway. Yeah, she, uh, so she was like the, the drama person of the homeschool community because that's what she liked doing. Huh. So she put on like, um, oh, what was that? Hans something. Christian Anderson? No, it was the ice skating. It was an ice skating thing that she put on. Um, I, I'm sorry. And, it's fine. Like, I don't remember any of this. And then there was uh, Hagar the Horrible. Oh, I do remember that. Sequence for days. She also did uh, some of the costumes for it. Oh. And uh, they, there were mermaids, and so they had these, like, big sequence dresses. And I love those sequence dresses. One might even say that it got me into costuming. Who knows? Someday, my bio-click. <laughs> uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, uh, I wasn't bored, I just had to breathe better. 
But I was also bored. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so she, she did theater and she, and she did music and mm-hmm. played guitar. Um, and Krista played violin. And I don't think you played music while we were in here, Alan. Nope, I just, I remember peeing on a lot of rocks. Good. I was like four, Good. guys. I was like four. Was I four? I don't know. <laughs> um, we'll see. I moved when I was ten. Maybe so I would have been eight. Seven. Seven, eight. Okay. Yeah. So like until that cap, which I think is the the, the time you can still pee on I rocks. I did photography okay. too. Yeah, I, I remember that. I remember the first day I had a camera. Mom gave me a disposable camera, and I just went and I like took all the photos in like ten minutes, mm-hmm. and then brought the brought the camera back to mom, and it was like, "Where's the next one?" And she was like, "It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. I don't have ten dollars to spend on a camera for every ten minutes of your life." Yes. But you and Alicia were my. Right. Mm-hmm. I can't remember that. We were playing in sand. We would like throw the sand and oh, take right. pictures of it. Right. Right, 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 yeah. right. Yeah. So, like, that, that, that sandbox had so much cat poop in it. <laughs> <laughs> it did. <laughs> yeah. It smelled real bad, but luckily, like, because there's a weird thing of like, it was next to an apricot tree. So, like, you got the sweet smell of apricots. Yeah, apricots. And then the acrid stench. Of of cat poop and mixed together, <laughs> and it was real. I I would salivate and then regret it. Yeah, yeah. You'd like breathe in deeply mm-hmm. and then be like, oh shit, it's shit. <laughs> um, no, but our mother has always been really good at being in the arts, and I think that that actually yeah. was what got us into the arts. I don't think every person in South Dakota was able to have access to that much. Mm-hmm. Um, opportunity to be in the arts, but mm-hmm. because our mother is awesome. I suppose she also, I guess, I remember, like, she would, she was very encouraging, like, she would make opportunities for us to, like, go, like, we would make, um, masks and put on plays for the family and that sort of thing. Yep. Because, you know, like, we have no one else to do this with because you know, we're all alone. Um, that's all kind of what we did. Mm-hmm. I always forget about that. Right. What was it? It was the um, Reading Rainbow Young Writers and Illustrators competition. Oh, right. You won that. I got honorable mention. And I like, right. got to be in the newspaper and on TV, and it was great. Forgot? Did you meet LeVar Burton? No. Good. Because if I would forgotten <laughs> you met LeVar Burton, I would be angry. None of the kids who won that got to meet him. He just like read their books on air. And still, that's cool. Yeah. So LeVar Burton has read something you wrote? don't think so. I'm gonna, if I ever meet him, I'm gonna be like, my sister won the Reading Rainbow competition in whatever year it was. 96 or something. 96 or something? Whoa. (laughs) Let that sink in. That was 20 years ago. So death (laughs) is right around the corner for you. How are you feeling about that? (laughs) I'm okay. (laughs) Well, my quality is not about the quantity of life, but the quality, quality but, oh, that's been shitty, too. <laughs> no, um, okay, and then we moved uh, to Minnesota, and then, like, uh... And that was worse. Yeah, was it? It was. Yeah, because the, the homeschool community was a lot crap. I hope everyone in the homeschool community <laughs> in Rochester, Minnesota, listened to, they were real shitty to our family, uh, at points. It was, it was actually the, um... 
all the things that were like super affordable in South Dakota were super expensive in Minnesota. So I couldn't continue dance lessons. Mm -hmm. um, I basically got to choose one of the arts yeah. to continue, and I chose guitar. Um, and then eventually that got too expensive for us to continue. As I well. remember that as well. Yeah. Which is fine. Fine. Um. <laughs> that that oof, buddy. That's yeah, a yeah. That's a story for another day. Mm-hmm. Um. But. So like that was that was that. Okay. I mean, we could still do art, and I still wrote and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but then didn't really get into a whole lot of the other stuff until high school. Yeah. Um, and you started doing theater in high school. It's like, that's not true. Yeah. No. I did choir in... Yeah, you did choir, and then you would, band. like, in, you do the pageants for the, um... I feel like that's such a terrible word for Christmas pageant, because, like, it's not a pageant. Like, there's no, there's no swimsuit competition. Like, there's nothing there. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it is. Yeah, peace yeah, on yeah. Earth. So, that, I guess that must be the... Um, no, pageantry. But then, um... I did homeschool plays, yeah. and, uh... We really lucked out, like, there was, like, three or four community theaters we could choose from growing up. Yep. Only, it's weird, because, like, they were all run differently, though. Like, the, the homeschool one was definitely run like a cult. Like, a very charismatic leader, and everyone was like, oh, he's a, he's a genius, I do what he says. And then, like, the Civic was run like a business. The Civic Theater there, the government one. And then there was another one called the Mass Theater that was kind of run like socialistically like it felt like a country it was weird and then the rep theater was just like uh like existed oh uh, what it was like what it what is it freemasons they were like the freemasons because you didn't know how to get in no one knew how to get out like it was terrifying i think that though um i just want to interject that yeah. uh you came into the homeschool theater after it had been established yeah that's fair um I was there when they were, like, still trying to get people gung-ho about it. Yeah. And it was not run like a cult. No one, no one trusted him. There was, there was also a, I don't think it was a run at all. And that's why no one trusted him, no. No, um, it's like, they, they legitimately didn't, it was, it was one of those, like, you had to convince homeschool parents that, uh... Something's not sinful. Yeah, it's like, the theater wasn't <laughs> satanic. And, you had to um, convince homeschool parents that everything wasn't satanic. Right. But so we started the the um, theater community by starting it with in pairing it with the choir, yeah, and doing like biblical stories, yeah, and then um, slowly then we did like Godspell, <laughs> which was you know another biblical story, and then through his handling of that, then people started giving him more and more trust. Mm -hmm. um, it, but it wasn't like just immediately like. Here's our children. Mm -hmm. Like, homeschool parents don't do that. No, they really don't. <laughs> and I think that... Except for, I think our parents kind of do. They did. Like, I feel yeah, like they... Yeah, well, our parents... Were, they're like... After Christmas. Well, that's fair. <laughs> like, after that... Okay. But... Um, but I think that they, like... Uh, but he was really good about uh, earning that trust. Yeah. It wasn't just, like, some... He wasn't just, like, some charismatic person... Okay. They they trusted him for a reason. He yeah. he did good things and he like and he was fantastic at like connecting uh the homeschool values with what we were yeah. doing and like plugging the importance mm -hmm. of, of storytelling in I, that community. 
Yeah, um, and I think like it was really like that. That community was very important because like there was no other creative outlet for those kids. And like, as whatever gripes I would have with the organization or whatever was going on, I'm still like, like it's still a great thing they're doing there. So like, regardless, like, I still credit him with like getting me into theater. Yeah. Yeah. Um, David Driscoll, by the way, is the name oh, of the yeah. director. Um, <laughs> yeah. Shout out to him. Yep. And yep. He, uh, he got That'll me. That'll cost $5. A, uh... Read my Patreon. Come on, David. What are you doing? Okay, so continue. <laughs> <laughs> hey! hey David, uh, you owe me money. Um, uh, go ahead. <laughs> no, but uh, he was doing a um, uh, class with, with, through the Civic Theater. Yeah. And it cost money. Yeah. And because. Report. I already decided that guitar was going to be my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have money to invest in it, and he was like, "No, you should, you should still come, and I'll give you a scholarship." And it was through that class that I met Kari and, and Phil, Phil and pretty much everyone down on Civic. And that was um, Into Fortune's Fools, which was the first theater troupe, the first theater troupe that I was a part of. Um, you were a part of that because of me. Yep. Yeah. You. you you're the reason I'm here. And not like physically, like well, in New York. Yeah. It's not like, oh, you gave birth to me or anything. That'd be weird. My 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 sister <laughs> and my mother. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> uh, at the same time, like, ooh, am I gonna edit that out? That was both. I feel like what we were both thinking. Um, but yeah, and then that was a physical theater troupe that we were both a part of. Um, and it was kind of really weird combination like looking back at it like philip was like my age like the age i am now he was like 23 right yeah, yeah when he was yeah. teaching that class and who trusted <laughs> like at the time it was like super like oh he's such an old guy it's great we're got an adult here you know he's 10 years older than me he knows everything and just like knowing what i know now as a 23 year old I'm like this guy fed us so much bullshit. <laughs> but it was good. Yeah. But it was good bullshit. It yeah. tastes good. It tasted yeah. nummy. It wasn't like the apricot tree. Hey, you said apricot. Oh. <laughs> um, no, you want to, like, talk about the influence of the arts in, like, mental health? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, what you do? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Hit me with your um, best plot. Yes. Now, that, uh, that theater trip was, like, what saved me at the time because I was going through a whole bunch of crazy bullshit. Yep. And uh, <laughs> found that found that troop and was like, you know what? This troop is where all of this energy is going. Um, mm -hmm. Because what was going on was a lot of people were working very actively to silence me and get me to shut up. I was being told not to create, not to do anything, um, specifically not to write. Yeah. Um, and then got to theater. Just to, as a preface, these weren't our parents that were telling you. Oh, this no, thing. No, no, Like, no, just no, to no, paint no. it, like, to the, like, con <laughs> contrast, like, yeah, but like, yeah. Can we spend the first half Dude. of this? Oh, the parents are really gorgeous. And then there was a weird turn in Act 3. Yeah, no. What a no, twist. These were, these were, were other, other people. Other people. Yes. Who should not be named. Yeah. Um, but then I, like, so I was going to do the sneezing the name bit, but then uh, I decided not to. I probably shouldn't. Yeah, but anyway. Um, um, so then I got to theater, and uh, Kari and Phil were both very, like, 
insistent that I express myself and mm -hmm. that I actually do create things and don't let everybody else like tell me to shut down artistically mm -hmm. and that is the best gift someone can give you. Mm -hmm. And I, I think um, and Jerry Casper, another one of our teachers, um, said this really well. Um, very astute and really great guy. Um, uh, theater is good therapy, not in the like the way, like a lot of people think. Like you don't bring your baggage into what you're doing, but like it just gives you x amount of hours to think about something outside yourself. For you know, like thinking about going through someone else's life or creating a community and like making friends. Whereas if you tend to bring your baggage in with you a lot, like, I mean, like, it's good to use your whatever's going on emotionally to kind of, like, fuel whatever you're writing or, or that sort of thing. But it's also really great to just, like, I was doing a production of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory when I was going through a really bad breakup. And so for, like, three hours a night, I was just a grandpa with his grandson in a chocolate factory and was super happy. And then I could go home and then be sad again. But, you know... <laughs> In uh, Fortune Fools, we always started with um, taking off our shoes and uh, using them to set up the parameters of the stage. And it was this very um, evocative image of you t literally take your shit off that, mm -hmm. you, you, that, you, that you used to get here and you use it to line mm -hmm. the stage with which you're performing. Yep. And you use that to build it up, but you, you do leave your shit at the door and you, and you like, just go and be whatever you want to be. Mm -hmm. There was like what it's a really great thing about that troupe was like you were kind of just allowed to interpret it whatever material we were working on in whatever way we wanted, which is really great. Like um, there was some structure. Don't get me wrong, with specifically like comedia and he's like, well, this is how they move. This is how they talk. Like this is the relationships. But then you would go, okay, this is a relationship. How would you express that? And then you go and you do that. Um, which was really great, and Phil was actually really great about like finding kind of what each actor did well and going with that. Mm -hmm. Um, and and that was really really. It's like it's the same reason like I think every person who is different and who is odd uh, flocks to the arts is because generally. Um, artistic people are incredibly accepting and warm, generous people, with some exception, and then those people don't make it very far because no one wants to work with them, or what have you. Um, and I, that was a really great, I think it was a really good building block to go on, because there was like, there's this really good thing of like, the art was taken seriously, but it was also fun at the same time. Yeah, you, um, I feel like the trick is to take the work seriously, but not yourself. That's a Harrison Ford quote. Mm -hmm. um, I knew you were going to throw one in there somewhere. Yeah, eventually. It's like, you know, give it give it time. Yep. So, um, you were going through all this, like, emotional trauma as a young woman, and, uh, has that, like, the specifically people going, don't write, don't, that's bad, and that sort of thing, um, has that impacted how you write now and and that sort of thing or you're just like fuck those people i'm gonna do what i want and even that that's even that's affecting it somehow both both okay <laughs> i mean a the thing with trauma is that it never actually goes 
You with bumped are. feet. <laughs> you, uh... Because, especially with the type of trauma that, that I was going through, it was very, it was emotional um, and verbal abuse. Mm -hmm. And those, those words hit home um, and they stay there. Because... Like, I live here now. I just brought this place. I live here now. Yep. Yep. Because they, because, because emotional manipulation is so destructive that way. It yeah. is, it is literally people, like, finding your weak spots and planting bad seeds in your weak spots. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, and so, no, it never goes away. You always have the, them sitting there with your little shoulder devil, um. That's a harp, and that's a dress. Yeah. Saying, don't write this, don't do that, uh, don't express yourself, mm -hmm. nobody wants to hear it, um, all these things. And, uh, thankfully, eventually, um, my story ended up with me almost literally going up to the person who was abusing me and saying, fuck you. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I am very, I'm a very defiant person. Defiance is, like, my main motivation in life. Yeah. And, uh... Always said it's, um, uh... It's like, it's defiance and, and women that make the world, things happen in the world. Because either, like, there's a defiant woman doing something, or it's a man going, oh, well, fuck these people, or it's motivated by, like, oh, this woman wants me to do something. But continue. Yeah, so I, uh, so basically, they were like, don't write, and I was like, fuck you, and all your bullshit, and I'm gonna write, and that's what I'm gonna do. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, of course, you sit down next to the computer, and then you write a sentence out, and then they're like, oh, God. They were right, this is crap, this is really, like, yep. this can negatively affect people, and that's, no one should have that power. Um, but everyone has that power, because of language, and words, have that power too. too. Which is, uh, <laughs> but, like, that's the interesting thing about, like, um, specifically writing and words in general, because everyone has that ability to be either good or destructive. I think that's a positive thing, or a negative thing, everything. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we both do this thing where, like, we'll make a joke and be like, I see what you did there, but we'll go, yep. Yep. Hurt. It's, it's this, I think all of our family does that, though. Like, uh, like when we were hanging out with, like, Clifton and stuff, we were like, yep. And he's like, yeah, okay. Right. But anyway, um, what were we talking about? Um, so, but that's good that you had the wherewithal to do that. Um, yeah. but also. Stubborn yeah. Um. But it also is, um, but you are right with the, when you sit down and you look at something you've made and you're like this, it can either be a really good thing or a really bad thing. And how do you make that call, like you personally? And there's always going to be, what, what ended up happening was that mm -hmm. I was trying to make things that I thought were good and that I thought were genuinely a good thing to put out into the world. And people were telling me that they negatively affected people and that they shouldn't be and like so it was literally a thing of every time I thought I was doing something good everyone else thought it was something bad so I can't trust myself to make that call I see um which makes yeah so you're dealing <laughs> with that for the rest of your life yep yep Ugh. yep that's annoying whereas like 
cast like that. That specifically, and now we're getting like technical schmectical with it. Specifically, I would imagine with the 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 bipolarity that'd be a pain because like part of the part of the uh, mania symptoms is like I can do this really great thing and I'm helping people and I'm like I have all these ideas that are all fantastic and then there's just a voice in your head screaming. Uh, last time you did that, it wasn't so great. Apparently, it's Bobcat Goldthwait in your case. <laughs> I don't know if you should be doing that. It looks kind of weird to me. Um, but I like how you can see where it happens in the, the timeline of the recording. Anyway, um, it, on, Sp on SoundCloud, you're just going to see the spike. But anyway, um, so that must be really, really difficult to deal with. Yeah? It is. It is. How do you manage that? Defiance. <laughs> <laughs> just you like, no, I trust myself enough to like... Um, sometimes. A lot of times it's like, uh also a lot of self-awareness and compartmentalization um i have ocd so a lot of what i do is uh be like this goes here this goes here this can't cross this line that this goes here things. and that goes there right right um so sometimes mm. if i'm lucky if i'm like in a good space <laughs> all day i can hear that thought and be like hey that sounds like my old friend Roger. um and I will, uh, Get behind me, Satan! Basically. It's like, okay, I hear what you're saying. Fuck you. Okay. I'm gonna do the opposite of what you're saying. So if you're saying that this is gonna- that this- this thing is gonna be a really bad idea because I think it's a good idea, I can be like, hey, no, it's probably actually gonna be a really good idea because it usually is the opposite of what you say. Okay. Um. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Yep, that's uh, that's good. When I'm when I'm in a horrible place, then it usually uh, looks like I do the thing, and then I apologize profusely for the thing, and, and get most... really upset and just hide in my room. And most people are like, it's fine. It's actually a good thing you did, and you're like, no, yeah. no, it's not. Yeah. I bought you a cookie, and you don't like you don't like oatmeal raisin. Yeah. Uh... Um, yeah, yeah, that's how I make art. I buy people. Look, man, like, I was just using a very trivial example. I was using understatement as a human. Oh, you were being sarcastic. Mm. Um. <laughs> I do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have a thought. Like, this happens every interview. I have a thought, and then it goes away. Um, but... That must be shitty to live with. Um, yeah, all oh, right. Um, so what you're talking about, a lot of it is, uh... Kind of what um, cognitive behavior therapy teaches to deal with is um, intrusive maladjusted thoughts where you're just like, oh, that's not actually, you have to retrain yourself. Um, have you done any of that? No. You should probably I've, do uh, some of that. I've uh, helped I've, me a lot. Yeah, I've, uh, I've done a lot of it with myself and not with a trained therapist because mm -hmm. I've actually gone to therapists before saying, hey, I want CBT and that's what I want and um, I never get it. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, that, that, that didn't work so well. There's this bizarre thing that will happen, I think, with therapists, where, um, they start just getting interested on in how you work as a person. Because, like, generally people who are mentally ill are, di like, fascinating people. One way or the other. They're either, like, really intriguing or, like, what is wrong with you? It's like a beautiful train wreck. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like sometimes therapists, like, I know a couple of times, like, I, I only, only do, like, 45-minute sessions, but, like, I'm kind of bullshit for 45 minutes because I forgot to do my journaling for the week or whatever. 
Um, and I just see my therapist is like, this guy's talking a lot. It's really interesting stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not really helping. Like, other than you're listening to me talk, but I can just talk to myself in a room if I wanted. My, uh, my therapy sessions almost always end up just being talk therapy mm. because they, like, they try to delve into what's going on. Yeah. And there's so much shit there. Yeah. There's, like, there's years and years of trauma and abuse and, like, all... And, like, None from our parents. Yep. Let me say yep. that. Yep, yep. Again. Um, and, like, uh, four, five different diagnoses. So there's, like, you're the best friend a man with 12 neuroses could have. Yep. Um, so there's just, like, there's so much there that we'd spend all of the time doing the, like, personal history section. Yeah. I think, like, I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah. I've gone to several different therapists, and we've never made it past the personal history Well, session. and that's probably, like, to be honest, that's probably why, because you keep switching therapists, which is actually very common for someone with the things you have. Um, because, like, it's, you don't think, like, you're anything done, and by getting anything done, so by the time they're probably ready to start, you're like, ah, this is dumb and bullshit. Um, I, I would argue, I would make the argument you should stick with one for at least three months. Well, I have. Okay. Um, and, <laughs> okay. Um, and then the other thing is, like, uh, I'm not a trained therapist, but I can tell you what I do with my therapist, and it helps me, and it'll probably help you, so we could do, do I, that. I do have a therapist, country the uh, I, I do want to make it clear that like the, the therapist that I have that I have seen, we've we've always had conversations about me leaving and been like yeah yeah you has, haven't this just like... hasn't the, the first therapist um, I only had a certain amount of uh, sessions covered by my insurance yeah so we got to the end of that and she asked if I thought that this was I was getting enough out of it and I was like no. And she was like, "That's cool." Um, yeah, generally therapists are very self-aware. Yeah, and and because it was, she was a she was a psychotherapist, so that was legitimately okay. only talk yeah. therapy, and that just wasn't working for me. It was ending up triggering me more than it was helping me. Yeah. And then the the next therapist that I went to go see, um, <laughs> there was there was a session that we had. Um, I was actually seeing her intern. I wasn't actually seeing the therapist. Herself. The intern was great. Therapist wasn't very good. I, I was gonna say like I I did that as well when I was in Minnesota and that was the only therapist in Minnesota that was any good because like yeah. it's the same thing like working with like film students that are making short films they're just so enthusiastic about finally doing the thing they want to do with their life yeah that she they was, like put their all into it she was great um, the intern was great yeah but there was we did get to a point where she was like I don't I don't know that we're getting we're establishing the therapist patient relationship I think we're kind of more like having a peer yeah. relationship. Um, so we were going to address that. And then the therapist herself was, I had a really bad experience with her in one of our sessions. And so I didn't go back. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which is perfectly valid. It's fine. Um, but now I'm seeing a therapist. She's not doing talk therapy. We're doing EMDR. And uh, that has been extremely helpful. Yeah, and that's inducing, basically inducing REM sleep. Yep. It's when you, um, when you go through a trauma, your brain doesn't process the memory into long-term memory. It stays as an open memory. Mm -hmm. So it is literally like that That memory is continuing to happen, which mm -hmm. is why flashbacks are so powerful, because the brain literally processes it like it's happening. And you're feeling it again, moment. yeah. Um, as opposed to, like, this happened, 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so EMDR is retraining your, or going through those memories again and processing them into long-term memories. Uh-huh. Um, so it's very intense, very, like, you're basically going to relive the experience, but you're going to process it differently so that you can store it. <laughs> you can learn from it or you can run from it. That's theoretically what it is. We've, yeah. we've only been doing um, prep for it so far. Okay. So, uh, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to actually get into it, and that will be really interesting to see. And I suppose, like, it would be very, like, how you said, like, um, you would need a lot of preparation for that, because it's, like, dealing with really troubling stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You legitimately have to get to a place where you can re-experience the trauma. And be okay with that. Yep. And, and the... The preparation is there to like help you find ways to reground yourself in reality and recenter yourself and like calm yourself down and make sure that you know that you're in a safe place this time. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, otherwise, you just like like with the the therapy, the first therapist that I had, the psychotherapist. Yeah, um, she was just like, let's talk about this, and then you just oh, like forty five minutes you're done, go home, and then I would like go be... like walk out on the street and start falling yeah. because. You're like a raw nerve. Yep. Yeah. Um, as, uh, I'm going to borrow a BDSM term of aftercare. That's what you need. You need like to go up and then come down slowly, gradually, gently, gently. Totally. Just like when a better one would probably be like you stretch after you work out. Like you don't want to fucking tear the muscles. Which I think aftercare is probably a better term for it because it's very, very similar. Yeah. Because you've oh. got to make sure you're good. Yeah. Otherwise you'll get it. Some space? Yeah. Is that like, that sounds like a Doctor Who term. No. Uh, <laughs> you're like embarrassed smile that you do when I make a really dumb joke and they're like, I didn't see that, but it's there. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> like, well, uh. I assume it's like to do with subdom stuff. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's, um, it, it, basically it's when you don't uh, come back out of feeling like you're a sub, yeah. and so you are still in the midst of humiliation and, and um, just... subhuman and like all of these mental states that are okay in a controlled environment, mm -hmm. but you can't sustain long term without mm -hmm. really negative yep. mental effects. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. Um, gonna edit that out. Awesome. Yeah, it had to happen. Mm -hmm. So, what's the difference between, because um, you have BPD, yes. yeah, um, which is not a super pleasant thing to talk about because people are super judgy and shitty about it, but um, what's the difference between that and PTSD? Because, like, Miles and I have talked a lot about this, and I'm like, there is a difference. I can't explain it well, but, like, I know it on, like, uh, like I've read enough material about both, but he is so bad with terms and stuff because he has, like, no, ed no education about it, whereas, like, you and I have educated about ourselves because we're like, oh, the way, you, <laughs> the way you fight against these things is you learn everything about your enemy, and then you can just... Well, you and Miles aren't alone. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people talk about... Mm -hmm. Especially between BPD um, and CPTSD. For those who don't know, it's cocky PTSD, and he's just he comes in and he's really confident, he's really confident about how 
host he is. For those who don't know, um, BPD is borderline personality disorder. BPSD is obviously post-traumatic mm -hmm. stress disorder. And CPTSD is complex post-traumatic stress disorder. So I was almost right. Yes. Uh, 90% right. <laughs> um, well, actually, uh, 75% because there's yeah, four, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, so, uh, let's start with PTSD because that's like the easiest. No, as I like yeah. to call it. The, yep, yep, thank you. I'm not repeating that. Um, <laughs> no one should. Pista. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Hista. laughs> um, so that's when you, when a traumatic event happens or multiple traumatic events happen and your brain doesn't process it and you're stuck with that shitty memory uh floating around like it still happening okay um <laughs> complex ptsd is when that happens early enough in your life that you don't remember a time before it okay um so you basically have yeah. just grown up with ptsd and a lot of the time it's um those memories get, uh, I don't want to say erased, um, you just you buried don't, you down. Don't, yeah, you don't remember. It's on it, a subcontinental level. Yeah. Uh, because, because they happen before your memory has really yeah, developed. Sure. Yep. So you end up not remembering them, mm -hmm. um, but they still affect you yep. and you still you still have flashbacks, you still have all of these negative effects, um, you just don't actually remember them. Um, and then uh, borderline is when you have um, a person who is uh, really sensitive to emotions and to um, stimulation, basically. Mm -hmm. And they grow up, and they grow up in an environment um, where that's invalidated mm -hmm. so you have people who are really who react really strongly to things mm -hmm. and their environment tells them that that's wrong yeah so oh i got hurt and i got really hurt yep. because i'm extra sensitive to it mm -hmm. and someone comes up and says you didn't actually get that hurt you're just being over dramatic yeah that type of thing um so it so they're different in the in like the way that they occur. occur yeah, they occur. There, um, there's a lot of the same symptomology. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of overlapping yeah. symptoms. Um, but the way that they develop in a person is different. And you have a lot of people who have both. Yeah. Um, me, for example. Yeah. <laughs> I have both. <laughs> so. I would imagine the way the combination of uh, PTSD with the bipolarity is what made the borderline because like the PTSD is like just dealing with shitty <laughs> person and then the extra sensitivity because I know I'm also like incredibly sensitive to people like unreasonably so and dealing with that is hard and that's because of um, the, the, the manic depressive thing. Do you agree with that or no? Um. I, hear, I I think I get where you're coming from. I don't think it's the case in my experience. Okay. Um, mostly because I know that I've had borderline symptoms before I had PTSD and before my bipolarity started presenting as well. Okay. Um, 
I think that OCD started uh, presenting itself first and foremost in my life, followed by borderline, mm -hmm. um, followed by PTSD, and then okay. bipolarity. Um, <laughs> so borderline <laughs> was one of the first things that like, but it didn't, I didn't know that that's what it was. Mm -hmm. um, because not a lot of people talk about it because it's very, very, very stigmatized and very taboo. Yeah. Um... But for me, it initially presented itself as uh, separation anxiety. Yeah. And, I remember uh, that a lot when you were growing up. That's a, that's a huge deal in um, Borderline because there's a this fear of um, abandonment that yeah. is huge in me. And... Uh, with separation anxiety, yeah. that's what that is. I, like, I very distinctly remember as a kid watching my parents go out to even to eat and then assuming they weren't coming home. So, um, do you think it's like a genetic disposition towards it, or is it formulated by like events? Because I know it's like our mom was in the hospital all often. Like, you're welcome for that. I it really started with May because she has lupus, and then that complicated my birth. Um, and so she was in the hospital a lot. And do you think it had to do with that as well? Or like, was it just even before that? Or do you not um, remember? For those who, for those who don't know, Tristan's uh, three years younger than I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm, the, <laughs> I'm the youngest, littlest of brothers. So I don't remember much before. I, I was, was around? Born. Okay. Um, which, which is really a blessing to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, so I really don't remember a whole lot about okay. whether or not this thing existed. Mm -hmm. um, I It certainly played an influential role. Yeah. A lot of psychologists um, agree that BPD is nature and nurture. Okay. It's a combination of chemistry in your brain and the so environment. Like a, dis a disposition, but it might not be triggered as heavily if there's, certain things don't occur. Yeah, there's yeah. also um, a lot of talk uh, about how attachment to parents in the first year or two of your life really affects whether or not you um, get PPD. Um, did I say that right? No. Nope. <laughs> you said PBD. Oh, good. Peanut butter dangles. Ew. <laughs> anyway, um, whether or not you get borderline uh, mm -hmm. is influenced by the, the connection you have with your primary caregiver. Yeah. At a very young age. That makes sense. And, of course, no one really remembers that part of their childhood, so I can't say, mm -hmm. oh, yes, it was because I didn't get held enough as a kid. Or, like, I I know that Mom has said that it it was I was very young when I started having abandonment issues. Okay. Like, Just kind of inexplicably. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she would, like, put me down and I wouldn't be controllable until she was holding me. She had to be holding me the entire time. Things like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that was about. Who knows? Just worried all the time. Yeah. Our mother specifically is very nurturing and very sweet. And so, and I think it has to do with that. Um, and I know that for me, once I started dealing with like, I still have a problem with distinguishing between friends and family and how you're supposed to treat them because of that. Because we, she was not overbearing, but like very nurturing and we were all very close growing up. And so you learn to expect that amount. And then when you don't get that from people, 
you it, your brain has to rewire itself and then dealing with that i would imagine would be part of it as well yeah yeah i and i just want to like stress very much every mother has those moments oh yeah every single mother is Big like time. i love you kid but shut the hell up i yeah. want to go bed <laughs> yep especially when they're tired especially when they have more than one child mm -hmm. that type of thing um so it is not like my, my mother was bad yeah <laughs> no. um but with someone who is hypersensitive to all of those type of things they they pick up on that um and i've always picked up energy really really strongly mm -hmm. um, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if that was the case yeah okay that makes sense i'm going back to the, like in and out of hospital thing like and like I, I read the book that you gave me about um, BPD, and it actually really helped dealing with, like, I'm gonna, dealing with you, essentially. Mm -hmm. Because, like, and, like, it's not a bad thing, but, like, everyone who has any mental disorder, it's gonna be a pain to relate to people who don't have that same thing, because they won't understand. Um, I know that happens a lot with me, and, but one of the things was, uh, the, the, I was reading it, and I was like, oh, some of the symptomology is similar to how I feel a lot. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I have this thing, but I feel like they're, like, because it can occur and just, because I'm not a severely um, abandoned issue kind of person. But it also, I remember feeling very scared whenever mom would leave as a kid. And then I also know that I've been, like, and I tell the story, like, I, was, I was, like, eight, and I was like, mom, I should put together a will and testament. And she's like, excuse me? I'm like, I, I could get hit by a car tomorrow. You don't know. And I know that for a fact that it's because she was in the hospital so much that I just saw, like, oh, people are mortal. Like, I learned that right away. Mm -hmm. And that's half the reason I went into the arts is because I'm like, I need to leave something behind because I'm dying right now. Like, as I'm sitting here making eye contact with you, I am dying. Cells are deteriorating, and I'm one minute closer to death. And that's horrifying. Um, this pregnancy brought to you. Yeah. By anxiety. It's anxiety, is what it is. Okay. Yeah, and the, what's kind of fun about it is like when you have anxiety and depression, your depression is like, you should just die, and your anxiety is like, what? But what if you die? You know, it's like, what am I doing yeah, here? It's romantic in there. It's like, I can't die. Die? I'm a god. You don't understand me. Um, but yeah. Uh, oof, a boof. Um, but how. Do you use um, any of your artistic talents to, like, deal with those feelings? Like, if you're just, like, I suppose you're just filled with some sort of wistful bullshit and you just, like, have to paint or something. <laughs> um, I, I do a lot of things to deal with that. Um, I recently wrote a book. All right. <laughs> it's a really good book. It's real sad, though. That, it's, like, real sad. Like, that... Chronicles, uh, uh, abandonment issues, grief issues, um, borderline issues, uh, all that good stuff. It's called So Echoes the Thunder and is available on Amazon. Yep. Um, yeah. Okay, so you uh, write about so, it. So, that has helped. Um, <laughs> or at least it is an outlet. Um, mm -hmm. I have recently gotten a little bit away from journaling and writing in order to express things mm -hmm. and I've gotten into more drawing. Okay. Um, it's, it's 
really interesting turn of events. Um, but I, I will like keep an art journal. Okay. So every so often I'll just like draw, and I don't actually think about what I'm drawing. I just start drawing. Mm -hmm. You end up with these really scary pictures. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but that way you don't. There's not the same judgment placed on me as I'm doing it. I yeah, don't makes have sense. to make it presentable. I don't have to like. Yeah, you're just doing something for yourself. Yep. Yeah, that's great. Um. So there's a lot of that. <laughs> um. I also play music. Mm -hmm. Um. Which is great because I can learn a song and use someone else's words and then just put whatever emotion I want behind it and yeah. I don't even have to worry about uh words or anything like that it, can, it doesn't have to make sense it can just be a scramble of emotions behind whatever words i my my um yeah. my muscle memory already knows that it's supposed to do yeah <laughs> makes sense that's similar i would imagine with acting as well yeah. you just like that's the trick that no not like civilians as i call them no with acting is like you put whatever you want behind it as long as it looks believable you can do it um, which it was a hard thing for me to accept because like, I was like, I need to be 100% of it, but like, it doesn't matter. It comes from you anyway. Acting is a little bit less so for me that way, um, because I tend to still judge myself with the choices that I make as an actor. Okay. Um, and I'm not entirely sure where that came from, but I, I, in, in Probably your brother being a better actor than you. No, that can't be good. Well, I'm mind just like, <laughs> I have a brother? No, <laughs> like, yeah. um, no, it's... I don't know. In terms of, like, the art forms that I judge myself on, mm -hmm. acting is pretty much at the top. Writing, um, music, and then probably, like, drawing art stuff. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. Um, I have two things. Um, one, another symptom of uh, borderline is that you kind of like, you don't feel like a full person a lot of the time. So like when you're alone, you're like, I don't know what I am. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm terrified. And so like that hence also the abandonment issues where you're like, ah, so uh, what the hell's going on with that? Please explain it. It's weird. <laughs> um, all right. So a lot of it, uh, what you're talking about is depersonalization. So that's, and fragmented identity. Those are the two things. Depersonalization is when you don't feel like yourself. So you don't recognize yourself in the mirror, you don't like, you feel detached from your body. Mm -hmm. um, fractured identity is when you, uh, basically what it sounds like. Your identity is um, wrapped up in what you're doing or the person that you're around in the moment. Mm -hmm. And you never form a bigger sense of self. Um, so for me, that presents itself a lot of times in the fact that I have a million hobbies. Yeah. I never really picked one career to go into. Yeah. I like music. I like art. I like computers. I like teaching. I like all these different things. And for very specific amounts of time, that will be my entire world. Mm -hmm. And I will be like, yes, I am teaching and I am, this is who I am. I am a teacher. Let's go with this. Yep. And then a few months, 
yeah, however long. Yeah. yeah, undetermined period of time. And then suddenly it feels like I'm a phony and I've just been lying to myself about the fact that I'm a teacher. Okay. And I'm like, and okay, well, imposter then I syndrome kind of thing. Yep, yep, yep. So let's find something else. Okay. Um, it's the same with, with people. Like, oh, I'm this person around this person. Um, and that's great. But then when that person leaves, Who then, am you, I? then you have the, the subspace again. You have like, I, I'm left with all of these things and they were never closed. And this isn't who I'm supposed to be. Who am I? Uh, if you know the term possible selves at all. No. It's, possible selves is when you like look into the future and you see, I could... Future vision, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I could do this, I could do this, I could become this person, this person, this person, this person. Yeah. And fractured identity is kind of like holding all of those people inside yourself at the same time and never really choosing. Okay. And is this a BPD only thing? Because I'm like, what you described is eighty percent of how I operate. <laughs> like, no, like I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna go play an open mic. I'm gonna kind of dress like a folks. Like, and it's kind of the acting thing too. But like, um, like I'm gonna go. I'm gonna dress accordingly. And like, whereas when I go stand up comedy, I'm like, oh, what do, what do I as a stand up comic wear? And it's like, but it's not like. I don't think I feel like dissatisfied with myself when I'm doing it and it's not like I don't have a sense of self it's just like these are different facets of me and exploring that it's not um it's not isolated to borderline it's uh it's also it's one of those things that's also present in PTSD, CPTSD, um depersonalization disorder uh bipolar okay um, so I'm, I'm in the clear is what yeah, you're saying yeah, you're like this is normal for me it can be like, <laughs> it can be I mean even within all these diagnoses there's always there's always overlap right yeah and there's yeah. O and each person experiences it differently yeah some people have PTSD with very heavy heavy depersonalization symptoms yeah some people don't know what the fuck that is yeah and they never experience it mm -hmm. um, just angry all the time yeah so it's just like it depends on your personal chemistry, your personal mm -hmm. background, like, uh, I don't think it's uncommon for people with, um, with fractured identity to go into the arts. Yeah. Because there's so much that you can do in the arts that are, um, changeable, and like, even, like you were saying with acting, mm -hmm. you become a role for a time, and then you come out of it, and then you go to be another role, and so I think it draws into itself a lot of people with with that yeah and it's it's appealing to to people who experience that um in a way that you know computer development isn't yeah <laughs> or pretty much anything like doctors yeah I, it, they're just a doctor i mean they're you know, just a doctor but some are just doctors yeah um but you you don't have that same sense of uh, being able to switch things up. And I know that, for me, I get panicky when I don't have the option of choosing. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, and, and part of it's the whole, like, I don't feel good enough. Mm -hmm. So if I'm in a position and I start to not feel good about myself in that position, hmm. I will panic if I can't get out of it because 
oh, they deserve someone who can actually do this, and I can't, so I need to go find something that I feel like I can be really good at. Mm -hmm. So as long as I feel like I can do what I'm doing, and it's, like, challenging and, you know, rewarding, I'll be really comfortable with it. But as soon as that switch starts happening that I'm not doing a good job at this, that's when my fragmented identity starts, like, going, hey, you shouldn't be this person. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that's also, there's this notion which is incorrect, which is, um, number one, people don't change. Or number two, um, it's in their nature, like, to be a certain way. Because I feel like half of, at least, at least half of your identity is things you choose. You find things you like about yourself, and you am amplify those, and then you diminish things you don't. And so I think that's, it's not necessarily a super bad thing, what you're saying. Um, it's probably incredibly frustrating to employers, and, like, sometimes dealing with, like, which, which Molly am I dealing with? But, like, at the same time... I think everyone does that to a certain extent. They pick and choose the person they want to be. Um, and if they kind of just go, this is who I am, and I accept that, I find that generally those people um, are worse off because they've just kind of given up. And they, specifically, like, in regards to poor decision-making, like, well, this is who I am. It's just in my nature to be an asshole, so I'm just going to be an asshole. I'm like, well, then you're just despairing and you're a shit person. It's hard, too, because uh, society very much penalizes um, the renaissance person, the renaissance man or woman. Sorry, I am cut, so we have all the damn time in the world, which is great. High five. Well, that was bad. Pick it up for the mic. Okay. Okay. So, so now, like, that's what I've been, like, I've been panicking. I've been like, I've got the time. Like, I got, I should have been leaving now if I wanted to get there on time. But now, oh, I'm just going to unbuckle my belt, like, after Thanksgiving dinner. Let's get in a meet and greet grit of Doogie Hauser. Oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. Go, keep talking, please. Just stop. Okay. Keep talking. So I feel like um, our society penalizes uh, the man or woman. Sorry, penalizes. So they penalize it, yeah, because. Because they're, we're built on the idea of someone sticking to one thing long term. That's true, yeah. Specifically in a um, uh, capitalist society. You find yep. the thing you're good at, you, you learn to make money off it, and that's what you do. That is who you are. You are a die. Your occupation is a huge part of your identity. And I think that it, it really works against a lot of people, especially people with mental illness, because like if you go to look at social security benefits, yeah, um, they require you to have been in your job paying taxes for five years before you can qualify for, for any sort of benefit. That sucks. So, like, I don't qualify for it because I haven't stayed at a job for five years. That is incredibly uh, terrifying to me, even the idea of it. Yeah, um, for the first time when I was in Minnesota, not enough for the first time I was in Minnesota, when I was in Minnesota for the first time, I kept a job for more than three months, and hitting that four-month mark was terrifying for me. Um, and like I was there for like a year and I was like this I'm like I've been at Mel's for nine months ever since I moved back here and it's scary I'm like I'm good at this I'm bored I it doesn't feel like a job I'm not at work it's not challenging it's super awesome because I have friends but like and that that makes me anxious because I feel like I'm gonna be bad at my job because I don't really it there's no effort anymore um and 
going a little bit back to the fragmented identity type of thing, yeah. there's also a weird part of it that's um, a return to previous senses of self. Yeah. So, like, I have just started going back to Renaissance Festival this year. Yeah. That is something that was a huge part of my identity yeah. for quite a while, and then just kind of dropped out of my sense of identity. Mm-hmm. Um, because of various things mm-hmm. um but now that i'm going back to it it's i'm starting to like question am i actually myself because oh this was such an integral part of who i was and yeah no i feel that way a lot it's like suddenly i look back and it hadn't been a part of my life for so long how did i ever get along without it like mm-hmm. what does that say in terms of who i am what i can do where i'm supposed to be what i'm supposed to be doing yeah but, like, I also think that's just kind of how life is. And it's similar, like, I feel like it's a similar equation with senses of self, kind of like friends. Like, for a while, you're friends with these people because of happenstance and certain stance and whatever. And stances. Yeah, a lot of stances. Um, now I'm just trying to pun off that. Why you got to give Sorry. me that? Um, <laughs> but a lot of stances and, um, and dances. Uh, and some romances. Um, I really threw you off. Yeah, Sorry. you did. Um, but you and and that's yourself is also like is based off of circumstance because a lo- like behavior is character is what's taught in acting class and I agree with that because the way you behave in a situation defines your character a lot. Like if something bad happens and you don't get angry, you're like a level-headed person and that's part of your character. Whereas like and so with the the like idea of like past selves and stuff like that and you go through things to learn further and the other thing is i think you have to take into account when you like i do this thing where i will be very interested with an actor yeah and then i will kind of self-identify very heavily with them and it's probably not healthy what i do but like i do like a lot of research and that sort of thing on this and like i generally learn a good impression of nick offerman out of it and uh, I kind of, I kind of do a character study with it. But then I put it down, but I have it in the bag. Like for the example of Nick Offerman, it's like I now work harder than I ever have in my life. I try and be kinder than I ever had. Same with like I've learned things from, which is kind of a neat. Like in a way, I'm like it's not healthy, but in a way, it's really cool because you're just stealing the best parts of other people and adding them, like to making a Megatron, like person which i'm all about i'm super about self-actualization and i do it with like friends too i see the good parts of friends and i'm like i'll have that off him thank you um i'm a tool builder and a thief um and a thief. but and i think if you look at your past selves and your possible future selves it's kind of a similar thing what can i learn from who i was at that time what was good about that and what wasn't like there's also, one more part about um, fractal. Fractal? Sure. Sure, whatever. Um, Means the same thing. Yeah. Uh, sense of identity. And that is um, where a lot of people have a consistent narrative throughout their life. Yep. Um, I don't. No. <laughs> I very much have moments where I see past selves as different people. I look back on my memories and it's literally like I am watching a story of someone else. I don't connect with them. And 
So it's uh, it's a really interesting process to be huh. like, okay, I have child Molly, who is this person, mm-hmm. and then I have this person. Teenager Molly. Yeah, who's like... Different you know, in these and these ways, yeah. And and I'll like I'll look back at things that I've written and stuff, and and like it it legitimately feels like I'm reading someone else's work. Huh. So it's not a it's not I don't have like that common thread where I feel like I've lived as long as I have. It's it's like I wake up every so often and I've and I've um and I've become a different person. Yeah. Uh, so it's so like, just like Majora's masking. Yeah, no, it's uh, later. it's it's kind of like um, regenerating. Yeah, like, it's like I, I I remember it and I remember being that person, but that is no longer the person that I am. But I also feel like that's everybody. Like every person I've met specifically has a part of their life, and if they don't have a part of their life yet, they're in it where they don't like who they were. Like, specifically, like, I look back at that time, and I was a bad person, and then I learned from it. Or I, like, they're they're different, because everyone's changing. And this is a frustration I have, clearly, because I'm talking a lot about it. Um, Because in, in story and drama, there's this idea of a character does not change by the end of whatever piece you're doing. In some way, it's bad storytelling. And then in life, we have the phrase, and it's a... A idiom at this point like it's a common colloquialism people don't change which is just blatantly untrue only stupid people or insane people don't change because the def- a definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again expecting different results um, also dumb people don't because they just like and I'm not saying everyone who doesn't change is a moron I guess it's just more like they just or simple people don't change because they find something that they like and then they just stick with it and there's a beauty in that as well. Like, don't... Yeah, yeah. I, um... I'm curious if this is... I, like, I think I have an illustration of the, what I'm trying to say, okay. but I'm not sure, so I'm going to try it out on you. Go for Bear it. with me. It's a safe space here, except um, for the knives on the ground. Yep. Yeah. So if you were to Floor's think lava. about your, like, top five favorite memories... Yeah. Like your, like, your best memories... Okay. What's the earliest age that your memories start? Or that your best, the earliest best memory that you have in your life? Like a week ago. I don't have a good memory. Um, but I think actually, no, um, probably around 11. Why? Um, that was an exercise that my therapist had me do. Um, your five top memories, or best memories, and your five worst memories. And, uh, all of mine were in the last two years. Okay, so you, like, it's a... I mean, I can remember before that, but it doesn't feel like it's part of my narrative. It doesn't feel like that is part of who I am right now. There is, like, I would see those memories with the same lens as I would see reading a character in a book seeing a character in a movie rather than internalizing it, making it my story, making it who I am.
Something sounded beautiful. 